Open your Bibles, if you would now, to the book of Philippians, as you remain standing for the Word of God, for the reading of the Word of God. And we're going to take a look this morning. And so far in this book of Philippians, the Apostle has given instruction on uh, how the believer should live, how the believer should think. Uh, he's given instruction on what we ought to desire. And so we saw that in the first uh, few chapters, that the, for me to live is Christ. In the second chapter, we saw, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So the life of the believer ought to be Christ. I mean, end of statement. Many times we say, well, you know, my life is about this or about that, and, and I take Jesus everywhere I go. Stop. <laughs> it's like the old bumper sticker you used to see years ago, God is my co-pilot. I'm sorry. I don't want him co-piloting anything. I want him piloting me. And so when we get to the place where we start to say, I take Jesus as opposed to I follow Jesus, we have just ruined that relationship picture. And then you think about it for a moment. If I am to be a mirror of him, why am I leading? If I'm to be following, why is it that I've got him beside me? I want him ever guiding and directing me. So I follow him. I don't lead and take him with me. And then we looked at let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The humble, unified mind of Christ. Many of us, we have so many other things on our mind that the mind of Christ is far from us. And then third, we looked at the desire or the goal of the child of God that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. But then here in chapter four, he starts closing things off and in, in this closing chapter, he, he refreshes this teaching and finishes off with a focus on how to live such a life with contentment. Have you ever said or heard someone say the Christian life is just hard? It's difficult. I, I, I can't live this life. I can't do it. Well, the Apostle Paul made sure to answer that issue as well. Take a look with me here in chapter number 4, starting in verse 10. It says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I want you to take note of verse 12. It's a verse that we typically read past. But I want you to look at some of the things that he says here. He says, that I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. This is not in two separate opportunities, but simultaneously. Look what he says. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound 
and to suffer need. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would meet with us in a special way this morning. Hide me, Father, behind your words, behind your cross, that I may speak, Father, not my own words, but as of the oracles of God. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I think it's important for us to understand some of what Paul is trying to say. And I think chapter, tw- uh, chapter 4, verse 12, uh, gives to us sort of the understanding that Paul wants to make in these few verses. Again, verse 12 is one that typically gets read past. We, we look and we see how uh, he is thankful that the Philippians were, were uh, gracious and sent a care package, so to speak, to him. We see chapter uh, 4, verse 13, talking about, I can do all things through Christ. But chapter 12 gets lost, or, or verse 12, I'm sorry, gets lost kind of in the mix. I mean, think about what he is saying here, and then we're going to kind of springboard off of this for the remainder of this morning's message. Look at verse 12. He says how he has learned and been instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both, catch that, both to abound and to suffer need. How many times do we find ourselves both at the same time? I am full, but I'm still hungry. Now, that one's a pretty easy one. I mean, you know, here we, we go out to eat. We went to Primani Brothers. It was the first time we've driven past Primani Brothers for the last five years now. Every time we drive past it, we go, we need to try that out. And so we were gracious enough to be able to drop our kids off and abandon them for a few hours yesterday. And so we were driving, where do you want to go eat? Well, I don't know. Well, what if we do this? I don't know. Well, let's just drive around until we see. And we look, and there's Permani Brothers, and we're like, you know, we've not tried that before. I'm going to tell you right now, at Permani Brothers, you know how to both be full and to be hungry. Because they bring out not just a sandwich and some fries, they just pile it all on top of it and just bring it out to you. I mean, you got to cut it in fourths to be able to fit it in your mouth. And you're sitting there, you're halfway through going, oh, dear Jesus, help me. Your prayer life gets increased when you're in this kind of a situation because, you know, you're looking around, and there's some college fellows over there, and they're not having a problem. I'm not going to have a problem with my meal either. <laughs> so, Lord... He said that the soul of the righteous will be made fat. And uh, it's coming. <laughs> you know, so, but and you're looking going, I'm so full, but I still want to eat that. I still want it because it's so good. And I like a good Reuben. I just, I love a good Reuben. And when you're reading through the menu and you see a Reuben, it's like, well, they got a Rachel too. I don't want a Rachel. I want a Reuben. If I want a turkey, I'd have ordered turkey. I want that corned beef, you know, and you're sitting there and you just, I see that and I'm like, yeah. That's what I'm ordering. Don't even need to look. My mom was saying, well, what else did they have? I I saw Reuben, and I was done. I didn't even read the rest of it. I I, I know that they had like, uh, they had whatever. I don't even remember what my wife ordered. That Reuben was right in front of me, the rye bread. Okay, so how to be full and be hungry. Take that to the spiritual life. I think that there's a lot of people today who think that they're spiritually full. And they have lost their hunger. I, preacher, you don't understand. When I was your age, I, I was hungry too, but I've been in it for a long time, preacher, and I'm pretty satisfied. Stop. The moment you are full is the moment you need to check yourself. 
The Apostle Paul said, I am able to be full and to be hungry. I desire more, but at the same time, he has filled me. He has filled my cup to the point of overflowing, but I am still hungry. I still desire more and more of Jesus. I have been given enough of Jesus, but I want more of Jesus. I, I, I can't take anymore. His blessings are overflowing, but I want more. This is the desire that the Apostle Paul puts out there. I have been instructed both to be full and hungry it, it's it's never one of those opportunities well i've just got so much i've got to give out <laughs> i just need to start teaching a lot of people because buddy i got you know it's hard to be married to someone who knows everything just ask my wife but it's one of those situations where we come into it and we say wait a minute i've got so much that the lord is giving to me but i don't want it to stop i'm hungry I'm desirous of as much as I can get and more. Where are you with that this morning? Are you full? Are you hungry? Sometimes we see I'm, I'm hungry. Preacher, I'm just, I'm hungry. I'm empty and I need filled. I'm hungry. Well, then we have lost sight of the blessing of God. I am never empty with Christ. I just got to get my mind back where it needs to be. If I find myself, I'm so hungry and, and I, I've not been feeling, I can remember uh, uh, years ago, uh, a news anchor making the statement, if the only news you're getting is, is the 10 o'clock news, you're getting very little news. Can I say if the only Bible you're getting is the Sunday morning you're getting very little Bible. Well, I go to church every Sunday. I get a lot of Bible. I go to church every Sunday. Praise the Lord. But if that's all you're getting, you're starving to death. You are spiritually starving. Please understand something. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of biblical counseling. I think the Bible can answer everything. I don't need so, some psychotherapist to give me some drugs or, or tell me that it was my mom's fault or my dad's fault or this, that, or the other because Jesus comes into the picture and he is the answer to everything. Give me the word of God. That's what I want. That's what I need. But if all I do is I get the word of God and then Oprah every other day, I'm starving. And here's the reason why I love the, uh, the, uh, the biblical counsel that comes from the Word of God. We have been made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. God, the Creator, made us in His image. That means you, my friend, and I are spiritual beings, which means we need spiritual food. And if we're only ingesting what this world has to offer, we are going to die malnourished. There's many people today who are living on a diet of mcdonald's and wendy's and they never get a vegetable in their life and the meat that they think they're ingesting is not real meat it's some sort of process something out of a laboratory i'm here to tell you if your diet consists only of big macs and french fries you're malnourished and if your spiritual food is lacking you're malnourished. The Apostle Paul understood how to be full and hungry. 
but not only how to be full and hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Now, let's take it to a, a little more of a literal understanding of what he's saying. He's saying, I can, at the same time, have a lot and have nothing. And regardless of my situation, whether I am abounding or I am suffering need, I can do both. Maybe you've had yourself in that position before where you've had so much and you just feel that the, the Lord has just been blessing you and blessing you. And I, I, Pastor, I've just got so much here uh, financially, physically. I've got so much time on my hands. I just want to do something for the Lord. But then there's other times where you're going, I don't have time to sleep. I don't have enough finances to be a blessing. But the Apostle Paul says, I can do both. And I can, I can be content either way. With that in mind, let's take a look at a few things today. Let's take a few, look at a few things. Contentment could be defined as happiness, but probably a better definition of it would be satisfaction satisfaction therewith to be content or whatever state i'm in i'm satisfied i'm satisfied preacher it's easy for you to say it's easy for you to say that you don't have the struggle that i'm struggling with right now i'm, I'm just trying to rob from peter to pay paul i'm struggling financially preacher it's easy for you to say that it's easy for you to tell me to be satisfied well, wait a minute the apostle paul is living in jail at this moment <laughs> I'm sorry, but not the kind of jails we have in America. Dig a pit and go sleep there for a few weeks. There's your jail that the Apostle Paul was in. And he says, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. I want you to think of something for just a moment. Uh, I know Pastor has read this. We've talked about it before. But if you've ever never had the opportunity, you need to read uh, God's Smuggler, Brother Andrew. If you've never read it, you have missed out on a blessing. Brother Andrew was, decided that he was going to start taking the Bible through the Iron Curtains. And, and he was going to start distributing the Word of God in places that it was not welcome. And he needed to find funding to do so. And he started to think about, well, I can go and I can, I can ask everybody for money and I, I can go from uh, place to place and I'll ask him for it. But then he, he stumbled upon something. He says, you know what? I am a child of the king. And the Bible says that my heavenly father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My Bible tells me that I am royalty and so he started living what he referred to as the royal way and he said i didn't beg for anything but my god supplied all my needs and a lot of my wants many professing believers today they view what they give up though rather than what they gain with christ Think about it. Well, 
you know, I, I really would like to do this, but I got to give that up. I, I, I can't go there anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I'm a Christian and I get no, stop for just a minute. <laughs> Have you noticed what you gained with Christ? I think about just just a few things to uh, to uh, I, I got I got it here. You don't have to go to hell. Okay, well <laughs> I gotta give up baseball on Sunday. Seriously, <laughs> God the Creator offers sinful Andy Lake a relationship. But I can't get golfing. <laughs> The creator of the universe forgives my dirty, wretched life and blesses me instead. <laughs> but I gotta watch the things I say. <laughs> Come on! I mean, think about it. We complain about what we have to give up a whole lot faster than we celebrate what we are given. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. That. You know, there's a lot of people that are sacrificing the peace that they can have for God for popularity. There's a lot of people today who who uh, sacrifice uh, the uh, the moderation so that they can do whatever they want to. There's a lot of people that sacrifice eternity for entertainment. I would rather spend my time doing this today than invest in eternity. There's a lot of people today really missing the boat. They would rather have, uh, they, they sacrifice uh, the, the, uh, the idea of being one with Christ so that they can be one with everybody on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever else they're tweeting. Can I, can I just say something? My wife gets on to me. She says, you beat around the bush too much. You need to just say it. I think the gospel has tempered me from when she first met me. Let me, let me put it this way. There are churches today that would rather be popular to the mainstream, so they'll fly whatever rainbow flag or BLM sticker so that they can get out a bunch of people. Come on in, come on in. Then stand for the truth of God's word. And they're sacrificing the peace of God for popularity. Well, if I say that, they won't like me. If I take a stand, they're going to they're going to say bad things about me. And what's going to happen if they blow me up on Facebook? Can I tell you, your life doesn't start and stop with Facebook. <laughs> I got an amen out of that one. Eh? Now I know what I need to preach from now on. But they sacrifice a salvific or salvation focus for their selfish ambition. Look at the joyful witnessing that we see here from Paul. Paul greatly appreciated their help. Greatly appreciated their help. Understanding their desire coupled with their ability and opportunity. Go back to verse number 10 and let's see what Paul's saying here. He says in verse number 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, 
but ye lacked opportunity. I want you to understand what he is saying when he says careful. He is not saying careful in the sense that you and I view careful, where he's like, oh, i got to be careful. I need to watch out, you know. Hey, I don't want to slip. i got to be careful. That's not what he's saying. He's saying full of care. Full of care. And when he says here, he says, you were, uh, wherein you were also careful but lacked opportunity. In other words, you wanted to be a blessing, but you couldn't because maybe you didn't have it at the time. But then he says there at the beginning, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Paul greatly appreciated their help. Here they send a, a, a care package, so to speak, to uh, take care of some of Paul's needs. Maybe it was money. Maybe it was uh, some food. Maybe it was uh, new clothing. Whatever it was, we're not 100% sure of. But Paul received this and he says, thank you so much. Thank you. You have no idea how much this blesses my heart. But Paul was perfectly happy if he didn't receive it. I know how to be full and how to be in need. I, I'm okay both ways. But it did his heart so good to the point of rejoicing. And I want you to think about something for just a minute. Why it, it made his heart rejoice? Because he was able to see the effects of their conversion shown in their desire to give. Have you ever had someone just bless your socks off? Just someone just out of the blue. You weren't expecting, you weren't asking, you weren't, and just, just, it just made you hit your knees. You just, whoa, do that for me. Really? I had that yesterday. Someone come by my house and just blessed me beyond words. It's evidence of God working in someone's heart. I want you to think about it from, from, this, from Paul's perspective. Beyond their willingness and their desire to help him and, uh, so that he could focus on the ministry, he rejoiced at their desire to not aid him but aid the Lord's work. Catch this, though. He says there in verse 10, wherein you were careful, but you lacked opportunity, talking about before. Apparently, in the about 10 years since he had seen his uh, folks there in Philippi, he, it had been about 10 years since they had made contact. They hadn't been able, but all of a sudden they were able and they wanted to send help. You see, the desire was always there. And here's what we've got to ask ourselves. Whether the ability to give or not is there, the desire should always be present in the believer. If I do not desire to help the work of the Lord or to help the servants of God, what evidence is there of conversion in my life? Well, if I, if I help this missionary, I won't be able to pay my gym membership. What's most important? Well, if I, if I tithe, I won't be able to afford Netflix. 
Let me just say, we really probably don't need that Netflix anyway. My wife informed me this morning that apparently there's some new Netflix show that's putting these little girls, it's called Cuties, and you can see just about whatever you want. Disney Plus recently released a cartoon called Out. You do the math. I don't want my $15 a month going to them anymore. You can do what you want. But I'd just soon that 15 bucks going to the Lord's work. We must learn to look at every situation as an opportunity to depend, to depend on God and to be conformed to the image of his dear son. You see, Paul understood the ability they had or did not have. Uh, it, it is not always expedient for a church to be able to help, but the desire should be there to do so. I want you to consider the peaks and the troughs that, uh, uh, that uh, Paul's life went through. He had these peaks where he was, uh, he was on the mountain, and then he had these troughs where he was uh, uh, shipwrecked, a peak and a trough. Uh, go back with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. And let's, let's take a look at some of the things that Paul went through. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul speaking here. Verse 21. Huh. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I looked at the 2 twice. My apologies. I was going, that ain't right. 2 Corinthians 11. I could claim that I thought it was a Roman numeral 2, but I'm not that smart. 2 Corinthians chapter number, two, chapter number 11, verse 21. Notice what he says here. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? <laughs> I'm speaking foolishly here. I am more. What Paul is saying, just stop for a minute so you understand what he's saying. It puts that in that parenthetical statement. I'm speaking foolishly. What he's saying is, I'm just joking here, okay? I'm better than that, is what he's saying. All right, now continue to go on. In laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Can I ask, anybody in here ever been shipwrecked for the sake of the gospel? I've not been shipwrecked. Anybody been beaten with rods? How about 40 stripes save one? I've not had that. The Apostle Paul experienced this. 
Verse 27, in weariness and in uh, painfulness and watchings often in hunger and in thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak? And am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not? Notice verse 30. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under uh, Artis, the king, kept the city of Damascus with a garrison, desires to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped. <laughs> the Apostle Paul had a pretty rough going, didn't he? But he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have learned in whatever state I am, I'm good. I'm good. Because he understood that on the other side of this, things can get a whole lot worse. But because of Jesus Christ, he had a home waiting on him. <laughs> Just on the other side, my Savior is waiting to receive me for eternity. I can suffer anything. <laughs> I mean, don't tempt me with a good time. You, you, so you're going to tell me that uh, if I don't stop preaching, you're going to kill me. Cool. Get me to heaven earlier. I get to be with my Lord and Savior. We need to start looking the way Paul did at every situation as an opportunity to depend on God and be conformed to the image of his dear son. You're here in 2 Corinthians. Go back to chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Look at verse 6 with me. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. He says, look, just enjoy being able to give to him. And it's sufficient. Whatever you have left is sufficient. Paul's statement indicated a satisfaction in Christ. Going back to earlier statement, you are a child of the king. What more could I want? I have a relationship that will never die with the God that made me. What more could I desire? The, the, the God who created me, the God who knew my frame before I was born, 
knew the decisions that I was going to make, knew the way I was going to spurn his love, knew the way I was going to try to live my own life, knew the way that I was going to be rebellious, knew the way that I was not going to always talk nicely to my wife, knew the way that my wife was not always going to talk nicely to me. I had to work that in there. I knew the way that I was not always going to be that loving father, knew that I was not always going to be that, that, uh, that loving, kind pastor, knew that I was not always going to be a, a, a model citizen he knew this and yet he died for me and he saved my rotten dirty stinking soul what more could i want because of that i have learned in whatever state i'm in to be content just to be happy i'm saved I want you to notice something in this. The final statement in Philippians 2, verses 10 through 13 here, almost looks like it was tacked on at the end. Let's read so that we get the, the full. Let's read starting in verse 10. 2 Philippians chapter 4, or 2 Philippians, didn't know that was it. You're like, what Bible's he reading? It's one of them new translations. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoice greatly in the Lord, rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Now drop it in verse 12. I know how both, uh, both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, hey, I'm thankful that you sent it. I wasn't looking for it. I was okay with it. I'm okay without it. Either way, I'm all right. And then it almost looks like verse 13 is tacked on. Oh, yeah, and uh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It almost appears that it's like, uh, oh, yeah. I need to make this statement, but it's not there as a tack on. It is the foundation of his previous statement. It is the foundation of everything that he has asked us to do in this letter. People like to focus in. Philippians is all about joy. No, 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 no. Stop for a minute. Philippians is all about living the practical Christian life. I find joy in that. But it's all about the practicality of living the Christian life. And many people claim today, many people say, well, uh, uh, the, the trials, the temptations, the sufferings, all these things that come into my way, how can I face them? Look, I want you to understand something. Nothing is impossible to face when I'm doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul's foundation for everything that he is not just saying he does, but he is asking each and every believer, each person who claims to be born again by the Spirit of God, is told, your life ought to be Christ. If your life is not Christ, you need to stop what you're doing and check it. Well, come on, Pastor, it's easy for you to say that. You're a preacher, and that's your job is to make your life Christ. No, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's the way we born-again believers ought to be. Well, Pastor, you just got to understand my, 
mind is different than yours is. Yeah. And that's why we have to exchange our mind for the mind of Christ. Well, if you knew what I had to deal with, mm -hmm, if you knew what I had to deal with, I don't think we want to trade lives for any moment. I don't want your life, and you don't want mine. But if that's all I'm thinking about is what I'm dealing with, then I'm not thinking about whatever things are true, whatever things are just, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. I'm not thinking of things that are virtuous. I'm not thinking of things that are praiseworthy. I'm only thinking of my difficulties. And the child of God ought not to do that. The Apostle Paul says that we're supposed to have a certain type of goal and a certain de desire in our life. I ought to hunger more and more for the things of Christ. Can I ask you something, believer, this morning? What are you hungering after? What do you hunger for? Not just today, but tomorrow morning when you wake up. What's the first thing you want to do? Check your Facebook status or talk to the Lord? How many followers I have on Instagram? You know, there's people who know more about how many followers they have on Instagram than know John 3.16. And the Apostle Paul says this is what we ought to do. And we look at it and we go, that's, that's too hard, preacher. No one ever said that the Christian life was easy. However, do not insult the Holy Spirit of God by saying it's too difficult. It's, come on, preacher. You know, it, it's too hard to live that kind of life. In your own power, yes. But with the help of the Spirit of God that dwells in the life of the believer, no. The problem isn't that we can't. The problem is that we don't. <laughs> Think about this. Man, through the the past few years brother tim and i have had some great conversations we were talking one time and i said think about this for just a minute think about it the fruit of the spirit love joy peace gentleness you know when i'm not gentle and sometimes i can be not gentle you know it's not because i don't have the holy spirit of god there helping me be gentle it's because i'm not allowing the holy spirit of god helping me be gentle if I do not have the ability to be gentle, then I must be saying either one of two things. Either the Holy Spirit of God is not within me, empowering me to be gentle, or he's a liar because I didn't get the gentleness part of the fruit. And the Apostle Paul says, through Christ, through him and him alone, I can do all things. I can suffer the persecution. I can suffer the ridicule. Oh, come on, preacher. Aren't we going to put a certain type of sign or whatever out in our... No. Well, people aren't going to like you. People didn't like me to begin with. I'm not a likable guy, I guess. I don't know, but I can endure that through Christ. Well, preacher, you know, what are you going to do when, when the state tells you that you're not allowed to have church services anymore? I'll still have church services. 
They tell me it's illegal for us to meet. I'm still going to meet. You know, well, you know, here a couple months ago, now listen, they asked everybody. When the Cleveland Cavaliers closed down and nobody knew what was going on and what to expect, we were told that millions were going to die. We wanted to show that we care. And they told us we were exempt. But we said, we want to show people that we care. And so we backed up. But I'm here to tell you, once the bar opens up again, we open up again. We can go down to Chuck's pool hall. I'm sure social distancing is taking place while you're playing pool. The moment that they single us out and they say, you're not allowed to go to church, guess what? This house will be wide open if I'm preaching to an empty auditorium. Well, preacher, you may have to go to jail for that. Guess what? Not because Andy Lake's anything special, but because Andy Lake can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Pastor, you're not going to have very many people join your church if you keep preaching about sin. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. We've seen how to fill a church. Just stop preaching the truth. And it'll fill up real quick. Well, you're not going to be popular. Don't you want Liberty Bible Church to be popular? No, I want Liberty Bible Church to stand on truth. And I'm so thankful that for the 40 plus years it's been in existence, it has stood for truth over popularity. Well, are you sure you're ready for that, preacher? Because mm-hmm. I've got Christ. And he's all I need. And even if the day comes, and I have said this for a while now, and I think people have stopped looking at me like I'm crazy when I make this statement. But even if and when the day comes that I have to choose between standing for truth And my family. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all of it. I know my wife and my kids can do all things through Christ. Read your history books. And you'll see that there could be some dark days coming. The writing's on the wall, church. Romania is not the only place that has suffered. Russia is not the only place that suffered. China is not the only place that suffered. And if we continue going the direction we're going, America too will suffer. And it's time for American pastors to determine, are they going to stand? Or are they going to bow out? And if I rely on my own ability, or if I rely on you, it's never going to happen. But you, my friend, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I ask you just a few questions and we'll be done? Are you content today? Are you satisfied? 
not just saying, are you satisfied with as much as you've been given? I'm just saying, if you get more, are you satisfied? If you never get anything extra, are you satisfied? Are you looking for something more? Well, I like going to church and everything, but I, you know, I, I, I want this over here instead. I like the Bible and all, but I wish the Bible was... Come on. And last, simply put, is Jesus enough? Or do you need something extra? Is Jesus sufficient? What if you never, ever get anything else and you lost everything? Yet will I praise Him? Difficult know for sure next month what I'm going to do. But it starts now. And if I'm waiting until after a certain politician or whatever comes into office to figure out what I'm going to do, then then is going to be too late. I have to decide Is Jesus enough for you? Or do you need something more? Father, I'm so thankful that we can look to you. We can see you, Father, in, in amazing ways. But Father in heaven, when we realize just what could be around the corner. Father, sometimes it, it appears scary. We look at churches struggling in California right now, and we wonder how long is it going to take to make its way here. But Father, if that's all we focused on, we would never do anything. So what we ask, Lord, is that you would always keep your dear Son, in front of us. Not looking at what's behind us, not looking at what's around us, ignoring all the different witnesses and the struggles and the sins. And Father, just simply focusing on your dear Son, looking at the author and finish of our faith. Father, I pray that you would help us make decisions today, Lord. Decisions that will carry us through, not just today, but the rest of this week, month, year. And that, Father, it would cause a practice in our hearts to go through the remainder of our life. It's in your Son's name I pray. Amen.